Now today, I have the great privilege of continuing a series that we began recently entitled Family Vibes. And this entire series, we've been looking at how the early church did life together. They were connected to one another. They were willing to break bread together. They were willing to worship together. They were willing to listen to preaching together. Everything that they did was done together. Everything that they did, they did what? How? Together. They did it together. They understood that it was important for them to be connected. They went from being friends to family. And I believe God is calling us as a church his beloved body of believers to function as a family, to have, if you will, family vibes. And so with that in mind, I want to share on the topic today, becoming a generous family. Becoming a generous family. Now, when I think of a generous family, I'm taken back. I'm taken back to going to grandma's house. And I've told you about this before, but every time I would go to grandma's house, I loved going for a couple of reasons. Number one, because my grandpa watched Lucha Libre and wrestling, and my parents were kind of against that. They've since come along, they've they've kind of progressed in that thinking, but at that time they wouldn't let us, so I'd go over there and I'd say, hey mom, dad, grandpa's a pastor, and if he can watch it, then I can watch it. But the other thing that I loved about going to grandma's house was food. My grandma and grandpa didn't have a whole lot, but what they had, they gave generously. They gave very generously. I think back and I think about the tacos and the enchiladas and the flautas and the tamales and the arroz con pollo, which is chicken and rice, or the caldo de res, the beef broth stew, and the tortillas. I think that's the manna that came from heaven. Tortillas. I'll tell you what, I'm a little bit of a tortilla snob. I go and I try tortillas, and I'm like, man, this doesn't cut it. They need to upgrade their tortillas. But you know, when you taste a delicious tortilla, it changes your life. They didn't have much, but what they had, they gave generously. My grandma had this, and I want to get this right. Her philosophy was panza llena, corazón contento. If your stomach is full, then your heart is full. Do you know that some of the things that you do for other people make their heart full? God wants us as a family to be generous. It's not about how much we have. It's about how we give. And so with that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in Acts chapter 2. Open up your Bible. Open up your Bible app. Open up your Westover app. We have notes there for you to follow along. This is what it says in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When we do life as a family, we expand the family of God because we do life together in such a way that people say, I want to be a part of that. 
God is inviting us to be a generous family, to become a generous family. So today I want to share with you three ways to become a generous family. Number one, invest your time. Invest your time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They were committed to listening to sermons and to the word of God and to connecting with one another. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They were believers. They were unified. They had things in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. What I notice about this passage is that they had a passion for the house of God. They had a passion for the church. It wasn't about the edifice because, to be honest, they didn't have a building. Many times they just met in houses. But when it says that they had a passion for the church, what it was is that they had a passion for fellow believers. They were willing to invest their time into the lives of other people. They made the church, the big C church, the body of Christ, a priority. In fact, what we see in this passage a couple times is this term that they were persistently devoted. I would dare say that there are people in your life that you are persistently devoted to. If you're married, you better be persistently devoted to your spouse. If you've got kids, you're probably persistently devoted to them. If you're employed, it's important for you to be persistently devoted to your job. But here's my question. Are you persistently devoted to the family of God? What does an audit of your calendar reveal about your priorities? If you do a calendar audit, you'll find out what your priorities are. How do you spend your morning time? How do you spend your time at work? How do you spend your time in the evening? How do you spend your free time? How do you spend your weekend? In life, what ends up on your calendar is a reflection of what you prioritize and what you value. Whatever is on my calendar reflects my priorities. And some of us, we need to check our time. We need to check our calendar. Who and what gets the best of your time? Who and what gets the best of your time? Now in life, in life, there's only three ways that you can use time. Number one, you can waste it. Number two, you can spend it. Or number three, you can invest it. When you waste time, it's actually a negative return. It's when you do something that actually takes you backwards. It's the best way that I can describe it is picking a show on Netflix that has 1.5 stars and instead of stopping at the 20-minute mark, you've watched the whole thing. And then you think it's going to get better, but it ends up leaving you disappointed. And you say to yourself, man, that's a waste of two hours of my life. Some of us, I know that that's humorous, but some of us, we waste too much time. It actually takes us backwards. Some of us, we need to change our perspective. The next way that we can use time is by spending time. That's an equal return, an equal equivalent exchange. It's when you go to the grocery store and buy groceries. That's something that you need to do. It's cutting the grass. That's something that you need to do. It's changing the air filters in your home. That's something you need to do. But it's an equivalent exchange. It doesn't make a significant impact or advance you. Wasting time usually reflects selfishness. Spending time 
usually refers to the way we do different tasks, but investing time actually produces a multiplicative return. In business, the only thing that appreciates or increases in value exponentially is human capital. When you invest in other people time, they appreciate in value because you're demonstrating an appreciation for them and in turn they end up appreciating you. God wants us to invest our time in people, not in fruitless activities. You know, I had a moment yesterday where my daughter came up to me and she said, Dad, I know you're super busy. And whenever your child says, I'm super busy, or I know you're super busy, it means that they're being vulnerable with you and they want to say something to you that's on their heart. And so when I heard that, I was in my office and I put everything down. I said, no, baby, I got time for you. And I'm going to share her story. She said, Dad, I want to preach my first sermon. And she says, I'm scared. I said, baby, don't be scared. It's all right. You're going to be all right. She said, will you let me write it down? I said, yeah, go ahead. So she took her time and she wrote it down. And right now I, I have it in my hands. And she talked about being courageous. And I'm super proud of you, Alexis, for being courageous. But if I would have told her, baby, I don't have time for you, I would have missed that moment. She shared her heart. And as a dad, can I tell you, it's a moment I will treasure the rest of my life because I was willing to invest God has a purpose for that young girl. And when we invest our time in them, we validate God's purpose in their life. Parents, can I tell you, don't miss your moment to invest in the next generation. Don't miss your moment to invest in your spouse. Don't miss your moment to invest in the people of God. Don't miss your moment to invest in friendships. Be generous. Be willing to invest your time. Harvey McKay said this, time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. So check your time. Time is money. Give people your most valuable resource. Be willing to make time so that you can invest time in things that create a multiplicative return. The second way for us to become a generous family is to share your life. We must be willing to share our life. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I love that. Every day they broke bread. Every day they had a meal together. Verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Here's my question. Who are you sharing your life with? Who gets your ear? Who gets to speak into your life? Who are you sharing your life with? Young adults, 
I've said this before, but it's worth mentioning again. Who's in your circle? Who's speaking into your life? The truth is, some of us, we need to check our circle. Who are the people in your circle? Are they advancing you? Are they elevating you? Are they taking you down? I want to share this quote with you. It's, uh, we don't know who wrote it, but I think the truths in it are timeless. Listen carefully. Make sure everyone in your boat is rowing and not drilling holes when you're not looking. Who's in your boat? Are they rowing or are they drilling holes? Check your circle or they will wreck you. Check your circle or your circle will wreck you. The early church understood the importance of sharing their life with people who are going to make a difference in their life. They were being persecuted at this time. They needed people to get their back. And they found out that they could rely on the body of Christ to help them get through the persecution, to get through the difficulty. Some of us, we need to be like that. If you don't have a circle or your circle is not upgrading your life, you need to get a new circle. In fact, here at Westover, we call those circles life groups. And I'll tell you what, life groups are fantastic. You share a meal, you laugh together, you grow together, you pray together. You've got people who are there to care for you. You've got people there who are willing to call you when life shows up and it gets difficult. They're there to encourage you. They're there to celebrate with you when Things go great, and they're there for you when life gets unbearably hard. This isn't a program. This is a lifestyle. In fact, I think I, think I need to make a shirt that says, my life group is my family. My life group is my family. Listen to this quote by Eleanor Roosevelt. Many people will walk in and out of your life, but only true friends leave footprints in your heart. Who are the people leaving footprints? Are they making a mess in your heart, or are they leaving footprints that make a lasting impression? Be willing to share your life. And number three, live generously. Verse 44 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were so committed to the family of God that they were willing to be generous. They were willing to give. They were willing to sell what they had to make an impact in the lives of the people that they loved. Because it wasn't about possessions, it was about people. And some of us, we need to get to that place where people are more important than possessions because people are the purpose. When you look back on your life, who were the people that were generous in your life? Your grandparents? Your parents, obviously, probably? A mentor? A teacher? Another significant adult? Maybe a, a friend who came alongside? They were generous to you. I believe God is inviting us to live generously as well. I remember when Danae and I, we first started out, we were super poor. We had nothing. We were both in grad school, and if you're in school both at the same time, guess what? You have nothing. And we were so poor that we, uh, and don't judge me, okay, please, uh, we actually mooched Wi-Fi off of our neighbors. They had an open network. We needed to submit our, our assignments, 
And so we use their network. We've, we, we realized that they had moved because there was no more Wi-Fi signal. We don't know who they were, but if you're out there, thank you for being generous with your Wi-Fi. In fact, I remember uh, we would, I would buy uh, $1 banquet microwave meals. And I'll tell you what, uh, I've eaten plenty of Salisbury steak, and I know how to upgrade it. I also found myself eating 15-cent ramen. And you know, if you add an egg to ramen, you can go from broke to bougie just like that. <laughs> just add an egg. It's fantastic. My wife says, I can't believe you still eat that. Yes, I'm, I'm in this place right now in my life, and I still eat ramen. Don't judge me, all right? But I'll tell you what. Here's what happened. Whenever Sunday would roll around, we would curiously hang around my in-laws. Because we knew that if we waited long enough, they would say, hey, what are your plans for lunch? And obviously we would say, what? Nothing. We don't have any plans. What do you have in mind? Because we knew that if we got invited to Casa del Ryan, we would get a fantastic meal. Chicken and noodles. We would get green chili chicken enchiladas. We would get chocolate cake. We'd get apple dumplings. Oh my goodness. And when you're broke as a joke, guess what? That tastes fantastic. So we, we would go over to their house. They were generous to us. We didn't have anything. And can I encourage you, those of you who are a little further along in your journey, if you see a young adult who's in school or somebody who's just working minimum wage, can you just take them to lunch? Can, can you just take them to lunch? And all the young adults said, amen, right? Amen, amen. They want to go to lunch with you. But generosity doesn't stop at just a meal. There are other ways to be generous. Recently, my son Aiden went to Africa, and he had a great experience. And as you see on the photos, he had a fantastic time. But that, that trip was life-changing for him. And so I'm going to invite him to come on out. He's a little nervous. This is his first time. Can you give him a warm Westover welcome? Aiden, when he came back, he told me some things that he noticed about the people who live in Africa. And he realized that there were things happening in his heart. There were things that God was wanting to shift and change. And I wanted him to come up here and tell all of you what he learned Aiden, share with the people what you learned about the people over there and what you felt like God wanted you to change in your life. Well, when I went to Hope Center or a village or something like that, I saw that the people were very generous, kind, and very thankful that we were here. And they gave anything and everything they could to make us feel welcome. And so when I went home, I felt like God told me to change and be more generous and thankful. What did you feel about your stuff? What did you feel God told you about your stuff? I just felt that I need to change some things. I need to be more generous. I need to be more kind more grateful. Thank you so much, Aiden. We appreciate you sharing your heart. When Aiden was on that trip, he realized that 
People were generous, but it wasn't about the stuff that they had. It was about their willingness to give. For you see, you can have nothing but be generous, and you can have everything and not be generous. I don't know if you know this, church, but we're blessed more than we deserve. And God is inviting us as a church to be generous, to make a difference, to give, and make a difference in the life of other people. The early church got that, and because they were willing to be generous, God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And God is wanting to change our perspective about our stuff. And here's my question. Who owns your house? Who owns your car? Who owns your job? Who owns your life? If God doesn't own your stuff, then your stuff owns you. If God doesn't own your stuff, if he doesn't own your house, if he doesn't own your car, if he doesn't own your finances, then all of that owns you. And God doesn't want us to be slaves to anything, but to be servants and sons of the king. We must be willing to divest ourselves of the trappings of the world and be willing to pursue the Lord. And as I close, I want you to stand with me. And I want to share this verse with you. Listen carefully. This is Matthew 6, 21. It says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whatever your heart is wrapped in reveals what you treasure and what you value. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 says this, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will they themselves be refreshed. I've learned in life that when we're generous, God is generous. All of you know this verse, and I'm going to say it again. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son. He gave what was most valuable to him to prove to you that you were the most valuable to him. And when we're so caught up in our stuff and we're so caught up in our own life that we fail to be generous, we miss the heart of God. I've discovered that God is more generous than we deserve and you can't outgive God. God wants us to be generous because when we're generous, we reflect the heart of God. God's inviting us to not look at the stuff that's in our hand the possessions that we hold dear, but to look at the people around us. As I was preparing this message, I almost, I almost labeled the different points, these nine words, these three statements. Check your time, check your heart, and check your giving. Check your time, check your heart, and check your giving. What does, what does your life reflect? What kind of value does it reflect? Today, I want to challenge you to pay it forward. Pay it forward. God has been generous to you. Other people have been generous to you to get you where you are at today. And God is inviting you to reflect his heart to his church and to his people. Some of you, you need to invite someone and sponsor someone to come to the women's conference. Maybe a lady at your work who's far away from God. Some of you, God is calling you 
to buy an H-E-B gift card or to buy groceries for a single mom. Some of you, God is inviting you to pay coffee for someone else just to be generous and just to reflect God's heart. For others of you, God is calling you to invite a young adult to lunch or dinner. And all of them said amen to that. When we are generous, we reflect the heart of God. And when we're generous, God is generous to us. If you want to see God be generous to you, be willing to be generous to other people. Let's go before the Lord and ask him to check our hearts, to check our generosity. Father, we come together as the family of God. You're calling us to become a generous family, to reflect your character in how we treat our fellow believers. But Lord, you're also asking us to go beyond the four walls of this church and be generous, to go down to the sports field and smile and shake hands and greet people, to be kind to the person at the checkout counter, to be generous with our life, to be generous with our time, to be generous with our meals, to be generous with our finances, to live a life of generosity. Lord, you know my heart. I want to live a full life and die empty because I've poured out my life to honor you and to serve your people. I pray, Lord, that your church would capture that heart. God, that you would transplant that and put that within their spirit. God, if we're not the hands and heart and feet extended, how will the world know of your love? Change our mentality. Change what our heart is wrapped up in. Let us be enraptured by you and not by our stuff because to you, by dying on the cross, you reflected that people were, are, and forever will be your ultimate purpose. I pray, Lord, that you would shift our hearts today. Oh, God, you have permission to shift our hearts. Move in our spirits. Transform our mindsets. Transform our hearts and our spirits. In Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. It's been a delight to have you in service today. If you need prayer, our prayer team members will be here. God bless you, and you are dismissed.